know that you deserve to be loved. Know that you're worthy. Even if you don't feel it, even if you were not given that. Think about a newborn. Does a newborn has worth? Absolutely. Why? Right? A newborn has worth because anyone has worth. You know, our worth exists within us. What happens is that that worth is not seen, validated, acknowledged. And we forget about it. But the worth, the love, what you deserve, and that's to all of your listeners, is within you. If someone wasn't able to acknowledge it, validate it, support it, it's because of the pain they carried that made them unable to offer you what you needed. And now it's time to change. And with that comes the freedom you're talking about because your social emotional energy changes and it impacts the way you exist in relation to others. Welcome to this episode of the Fabulous Over 50 podcast, and that is an example of the pure gold you're going to hear today. Today's episode is a little bit different because my guest, Dr. Masa, is originally from Iran, and she's going to tell us a little bit about what's happening over there before she starts to talk about relationships, because part of what I want to do on Fabulous Over 50 is shed light on the fabulousness in everyone. And there's such a schism between groups not only in our country, but between peoples all over the world. And what I want to do is bring us back together as humans, because we're all human. We all have the same basic needs, right? So she's going to talk a little bit about her people and where she's come from, and then what she's doing now and give you some amazing truths about yourself and how amazing you are. So stay tuned. Here's Dr. Masa. Dr. Masa, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me and thank you for your listeners to be listening to me. I appreciate it because, you know, we always need to learn more about how to have better relationships and that is why you're here. But you have a very interesting story and I'd like you to tell us a little bit about that before we talk about relationships. Sure. Thank you very much for that opportunity. So I'm from Iran. I came here about 22 years ago now. And um, just to give you a little background about my people and who we are, um, Iran is one of the oldest civilizations. We used to be called Persia. And um, the first human right declaration actually started in Iran, where it was a declaration of uh, equal rights, equal language, equal right to believe in whatever you believe, you know, it's a lot of equality that was important. And that was really translated into our culture. So Iranian culture is really based on humility, respect, love, and care, and standing for what is right and what is good. 
It's a very collectivistic culture that the good of the all is very important. And in that the individual is being taken care of because individual is one of the all, right? It's one of those cultures that really values a person's intellectualism and, you know, really pursuing their interests and what makes them happy and pursuing, you know, you know, whatever you can be, like really pursuing your potential. But if you're offered an opportunity, you need to take advantage of that and make sure you give back as a result. We are very hospitable people and really care about those around us. Unfortunately, about 43 years ago, our revolution in a sense was stolen. And in the midst of the revolution and coming up with a new democracy, a group of very religious sect, in a sense, took over and took advantage of people's vulnerabilities, in my opinion, and started to establish a real dictatorship under the name of a religion. And the people who, you know, may know or may be Muslim themselves will know that what's being practiced in Iran has nothing to do with a real religion. I myself am not religious, to be honest with you. But even the concept of religion is not what's happening. It's really an intertwined lie of staying in power and doing whatever it takes to be in power. And so I grew up with this duality of certain people and definitely a regime that was very oppressive and persistent on telling people what to do, who to be, what they're allowed to think and not to think, and really brainwashing us through school. And on the other hand, I grew up in a very progressive modern thinking family and communities outside of the traditional schools where you were encouraged to think and reason and think beyond your immediate and really question what you're going through and understand the complexities of life. And this duality always created this perspective of, yes, you need to be careful what you say because bad things really could happen, but it doesn't mean that you have to believe it. And when I say this, I truly mean, I remember being a young child and thinking about being warned about, hey, don't say these things out there because there were kidnappings, there were arrests, there was torture, there was you know people being killed and just everything you see now happening in Iran is just out. It was happening for generations, right? But now things are so bad and this new generation is beyond brave and really have nothing to lose. I speak to some of them and they're like, I feel like I need to go out there because the only thing I have to fight with is my body. And if, I, if I'm going to give my life for it, then that be it. I don't have anything else. And I didn't live that. I had very limited opportunities. And quite honestly, that's why I left when the opportunity presented to it to myself. But now it's almost unlivable. And we're talking about a beautiful country with many different ethnical backgrounds and, you know, basically religions, cultures, languages, 
And this fantastic, we have four seasons. We have like, you know, think about Hawaii, like in our northern part. Think about um, like Texas and but we have the Gulf, like kind of like drier lands in our southern part. Like we have large, amazing mountains. We have everything that you can imagine is within that little country. But it is definitely being choked by a religious sect that just wants to be empowered, does not matter who they kill or torture, including children, at whatever cost, with whatever rationale. So it's really, this is my cry for help, to really start to pay attention to what's going on in our beautiful country and in our beautiful culture, that not only our people are being destroyed, but because of who we are and what we represent, it can really have a, you know, really amazing or horrific impact throughout the whole world. Not to blow my own horn. <laughs> no, I and I really appreciate you sharing that because I think people don't understand when they see, say, the news, right? They see one thing, but they don't see the people. And as you and I were talking about before, you know, my my children and I, we we did a we did a deep dive into that. And the people of your country are an amazing people. And they don't get the credit for that, I think, with with enough people at all, because people just see headlines and they make blanket assumptions for a whole group of people based on the few. Right. And so I really appreciate that. So let's say somebody's listening and they think, well, this is horrible. I didn't realize what it was like. It, what can they do? Is there anything people can do to make a difference? So at this point, it's really going to come down to national and international organizations, right? The people in Iran are fighting for their lives. There is financial support necessary because them and their families and their wounded need support to be able to provide for themselves. I mean, recently, about a couple of months ago, I found out that they don't feed the political prisoners. They don't get protein. Yeah, I had the same reaction. And so like, we had to send money over so that the families could buy them food, which is beyond understandable. It just like blows my mind. But that is one thing is to find reputable organizations. The second thing is, and I can send you a link. My uncle, uh, Hassan Nayib Hashem, is actually a very uh, strong political advocate. He has spent his whole life fighting for Iran. And so they have an organization and they work with United Nations. So again, United Nations is one of them. And then lobbying and you know, following the news on social media, Instagram, and following it and letting the message be passed on. I mean, if places like CNN cover things like this, you know, then the politicians have to do something. There's so much that our people can do at this point. You know, we don't have guns. We don't have a way of protecting ourselves. They're fighting with their bodies against literal guns and taser guns and uh, military equipment. Yeah, and a body is not going to win against a tank. Oregon. So, okay. Well, that's, that's really good. Thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, that is so amazing. And it's not the original reason that I wanted to talk to you, but I think it just, people need to understand. And my personal passion is that, you know, there's all these divisions right now in, 
in just, you know, you can start like um, moms, right? When I decided to stay home, you know, working moms, not working moms, homeschooling moms, school moms, and then political party, one and the other, and then one country and the other. And I feel like our whole world is being just, there's these schisms everywhere. And we need to come back and have like this group of humanity, right? Like the humanity party. <laughs> and we are just want everyone to come together and love each other, you know, and, and find out where these problems are and, and help and not just ignore it anymore. That's so important. So thank you for your honesty and your openness. I really appreciate it. So when you got here, you decided to um, continue your schooling which I can imagine was difficult, right? After you'd made all that, those changes, because there's costs involved in all of those things, right? So that says a lot about you and your family. Thank you. Yes, I'm very grateful for my family and my husband. Um, when I came here, I was 20. I was actually in university in Iran when I was when I came here and I was studying nursing. Um, by the time I got here, they told me that basically that's the only major that they will not transfer anything over. So start over. And, um, um, you know, my brother came here six months later. He brought me, my mom came and supported me and then she had to go back. And then the whole family came little by little. But honestly, my family made a lot of sacrifices. You know, my parents could have stayed retired, have had, you know, very comfortable life. But they came and they started over as well. And I never forget their sacrifices. You know, everybody in my family. And they basically, they had established in me that if you're given an opportunity, you will make the best out of it. And you will make sure that the sacrifices are there will transfer into something that you can give back. So difficulty was just a part of it. You know, the reality was I wasn't going to have this opportunity back home. You know, it's either you're looking at a bleak future or a very difficult road to an amazing future. There's no question you're going to go, but, you know, at least for me, you know, that's how I was trained. You're going to go through the difficulties because no matter what, there is hope. And so I started my, had to start over and I was passionate about psychology. Later, it turned out that what I wanted to to do was social work. And throughout this process, I met my husband, who I remember second year of graduate school, I was just like, you know, I'm done, I'm burned out, I need to get out. And he's like, nope, that's not what we're doing. We're finishing. And so uh, after that, about nine months, actually, after I graduated with my master's, I was working, I just had the feeling that I needed to know more. And again, I had the support of my husband and my family. And his mother at the time, she was alive and with us. And my mom, my dad, my brother. And yeah, I went back. And it was really hard on my husband. You know, we were newly married about a year into our marriage. And here I was. I'm a book nerd. So I was studying 24 7 and working. And he really stood by me. And, you know, when I was like, you know what, I don't need to finish this. Let's just have kids. It's like, no, we're not doing that. <laughs> you got to finish them. We'll have kids. So it, I'm really grateful for all the people who really believed in me when I wanted to throw in the towel, you know, and really gave me the energy and the passion to continue. And that's what I want to do. I really, truly believe, and I have believed and seen this in my career, that all people need is someone to hold on to that hope for them until they can take it on on their own. 
that is the greatest thing that you could say, right? I think that is so true because everybody does just one person, right? If there's only one person who believes in you. So Mm -hmm. that is amazing. I actually have done my research on that. My uh, PhD research is uh, former gang members' experience of childhood experiences and uh, its impact on childhood, its impact on later gang involvement. And in essence, that's what I found. I interviewed gang members who were serving a life sentence and had completed it and came out, which means that they had you know, murdered someone and then eventually came out. And all of them went in at a very young age, 18, 16. Um, they were all in a state of significant trauma and reactivity that they really didn't know what they were doing. They felt like they were about to die themselves. And it was, as we did the research, it was a qualitative research. So it was all about the stories they were telling me. It was this repeated pattern of not having that enough of people that provided them an opportunity, something different, that it was a failure of every system that really led to their demise and their victim's demise. Well, that's really, that's really powerful, isn't it? It is. That is so powerful to know. I know people who were always told they'd be a failure and trying to overcome that is so hard for them. I mean, it takes them if they ever can into their thirties and forties to unpack that and let it go. You know, is that what you've had? So were there people who didn't think that they could do better and then later were able to, or do is, does that kind of set their path? It's interesting that you ask that because that's my specialty, you know, okay. I have worked, my work experience is that I've worked at Department of Children and Family Services. So I started working with kids who were basically abused. And then I worked with the, the fathers and then the mothers because I worked at the jail and community mental health centers. And then I worked with, you know, people who dealt with addiction. So I really got a very good understanding of what has happened to these people and to their traumas. And so in essence, I developed a program. I am very psychodynamically oriented. That's what my PhD is. in. And so what I do for my clients is I help them recover and heal from childhood experiences. Some of them are traumatic, some of them are not. Trauma is differently defined, right? But we all have been impacted by those important to us and their experiences and their traumas. And so what I do is that I help people transform by healing from what they've suffered from, what they were told, like this whole idea that you're never going to be, you know, X, Y, and Z. And through our authentic, real relationship, in which I really help them have a different perspective and understand what happened, how it happened, why it happened, and provide them a space to grieve and really experience their feelings that they never had a chance to, a kind of a blossoming happens, you know, it's almost like all of a the sudden they are unlocked out of this prison, in a sense, that they've been in, that they never realized. And the shackles of the past, I call them, comes off. And 
amazing to them and I, we find out that they're capable of things we never imagined they could. And that's essentially when the therapy ends because they keep coming back and telling me all these wonderful things. And I'm like, I think we're done. I think you're good. You know, I'm not contributing anything anymore. And that's when they go and like send me messages later. I'm like, can you believe it? Like I keep reflecting back on how much my life has changed. And it's really about learning who the person is, finding out what is their true potential. And because I believe in them, holding on to that hope, as I said, that they eventually start to believe in themselves. And that opens the line for connection and relationship. I call this corrective emotional experience in which they redefine their experience with human beings through their relationship with me, which then they can multiply it in all sorts of ways with all sorts of people. And that becomes this, you know, continuation of connection and relationships. Like when we understand what we're suffering from, it becomes dissolved. The word relief comes to mind. Everybody says, I get relief, you know, and it's this, they just flourish in such amazing ways. That is amazing. Okay. So let's say someone's listening and they wanted to work with you and they think, oh my goodness, I feel that. How can they get a hold of you? And I'll have links in the show notes too. So first and foremost, I want everyone to know that they are important, they are valuable, and they have a right to be heard, no matter what the circumstances. And that's what we do. Anyone that calls will be spoken to, will be responded to, and will be heard. Um, We have different, so it's me and another therapist that we provide services, and then my husband is an ADHD life coach. And for whatever reason, if we can't help, we will find, we will provide referrals. But to work with me, all they have to do is to go on Helen Tribe, psychotherapy and coaching, and do a you know free consult. I do offer free consult for your clients. Um, send us an email, send us a message, and yeah, we will you know do a consultation and we will you know find how we can assist them. But please do call and do ask for help. No one deserves to go through this alone, no matter the circumstances. Okay. And so, okay. And so let's say somebody is listening and they think, well, I I feel secure in me, but what can they do to help other people? Are there things that they can do to help other people feel better? Absolutely. It's the air of non-judgmental radical acceptance. You know, it's a very hard thing to do, but it is to accept and see others as a whole, because oftentimes we cannot see ourselves as a whole. And to reflect that back on them, I'm okay with who you are, the good, the bad, and the ugly. It's very powerful to be accepted, you know, and that it will eventually translate into self-acceptance. 
That's beautiful. Yeah. Because, you know, we just started fabulous over 50, right? So women over 50. And I know, you know, when I was being raised, people weren't thinking about saying nice things to make us feel better. You know, it was harder. People were harder on everybody, you know, because they wanted to just push, push, push. So I think learning that it's okay. It's not a weak thing to be kind and gentle. It's not weak and it's beautiful, you know, and, and if you see, you know, or, and, you know, I was kind of tough on my older children because I've got kids from 11 to 33. Right. And so to be able to go back and say, you know, I, I did, I actually just did that with one of my daughters. I said, I, I should have been more gentle with you. And now I will be because I, I didn't realize that was a thing because you know, that's not how I was raised, but just because that's not how I was raised doesn't mean that it's not right. And that we yeah. can't change even with our adult children. So All right. and as you're saying, it makes a difference, right? Just yeah. because they heard things as kids doesn't mean that hearing them differently now isn't good. It's still good. Absolutely. So that offers a lot of hope for a lot mm-hmm. of moms who are struggling with those adult child relationships to know. You know, it's very important to have compassion for others, but compassion for self. You know, when we think about women over 50, what kind of a life experiences, what world did they grow up in? What influences did they have? Who were their parents and the struggles of their own parents? Right. I always talk about this intergenerational transmission of trauma. In essence, what it means is, What I go through and the world I see will make me act in ways that I'm going to basically tell my kid you're going through the same world as I did. It may not be true, right? And so your parents, right, probably treated you and raised you in a way that would make you successful in the world they lived in. Did it apply to your world? Probably not. Was it in their best attempt to protect you from their pain? More than likely. So that's where the self-compassion comes from. To be able to say, I didn't know any better. And that is okay too. You know, the same way we're compassionate and loving towards others, there's also a child within us who also needs that love and attention now. is just gold. I didn't know any better. And that's okay too, you know, and giving ourselves grace. Yes. No, because yeah, because it was, it was different, you know, things were different. So that's good to know. I have a lot of respect for women over 50. I feel like that is such a golden age. This is where the rest of your life begin. You know, I feel like up to this, you know, I'm 41. By the time I'm 50, my daughter is going to be, she's five, like 15 or 15, you know, 16. So she's about to like go on on her own and, you know, start her own journey, obviously with my guidance, <laughs> helicopter mom here. <laughs> but I think that's when I, can I start to once again pay attention to what do I want the rest of my life to look like? 
with a little bit more freedom and comfort that I have given what I wanted to and I've raised her. And maybe it's my turn to raise myself once again. No, that's really good. And, you know, it's funny that you were talking about the generational thing. I just went through a thing personally called mental emotional release, where you deal with the intergenerational trauma and letting that go. And I have to say from personal experience, completely changed my life. And the person who I worked with said, just watch your kids are going to be so much happier because you've released all the anger and the sadness. And literally within a week, and apparently this is early, but my son came to me, my 11-year-old, and said, I feel so happy and I don't know why. And Mm. it was the most beautiful thing. And I wish I would have known, you know, decades ago, but like you said, you know, we have to give ourselves, forgive ourselves for what, you know, you only know what you know when you know it, Um, but to be able to move forward and help not only my own family, but other women understand that that is real and it is life transforming. So that's great that you do that too, because yeah, it's, it's amazing. I mean, just, it just happened a month ago and my, my whole life is so much better. So, so thank you for sharing about that too. And thank you for sharing everything. Is there anything else that you want to, any last thoughts that you want to leave everyone with before we, before we stop? Know that you deserve to be loved. Know that you're worthy. Even if you don't feel it, even if you were not given that. Think about a newborn. Does a newborn has worth? Absolutely. Why? Right? A newborn has worth because anyone has worth. You know, our worth exists within us. What happens is that that worth is not seen, validated, acknowledged, and we forget about it. But the worth, the love, what you deserve, and that's to all of your listeners, is within you. If someone wasn't able to acknowledge it, validate it, support it, it's because of the pain they carried that made them unable to offer you what you needed. And now it's time to change. And with that comes the freedom you're talking about because your social emotional energy changes and it impacts the way you exist in relation to others. Well, we're going to end right there because that is just solid gold. Thank you so much, Dr. Massa, for joining me today. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. And thank you to your listeners for listening. I really look forward to hearing from them. And you can get all of her information in the show notes and on the website. So be sure you check that out. And um, we'll hopefully talk to you again in the future. Thank you. Absolutely. I would love that. chips or anything just fabulous and stay tuned because next week we have another relations specialist who is going to talk to us about a topic we don't usually talk about but it's going to really open your eyes so stay tuned and stay fabulous